Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Just your grace and your mercy each and every single day. We choose today to surrender all to you and to make it all about you. May the name of the Lord be praised. And as we transition to the message, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all the hearts for those who are listening here today, Lord, may be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, for you alone are our rock and our redeemer. We give you all the glory and all the honor. We love you. pray all these things in your precious son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. And God's people pray. Amen. And amen. I want to encourage you to open up your heart to receive uh, and to hear the word that the Lord has in store for us today. Our main passage is in Acts 2, but I wanted to go over real quick other verses in Luke. So I'm going to speak on Luke 9 and Luke 14. I know these are scriptures that I've mentioned many times in the past, but it's a good thing to have repetition with scripture because it helps you memorize and helps you understand better. And each day it's about understanding the scripture better. Amen? So let's begin with our title. The title of today's message is called The Danger of Impulsive Discipleship. The Danger of Impulsive Discipleship. We've been on this unofficial series on discipleship what it means to be a true disciple of Jesus, and what it means to be a false disciple, a wannabe disciple of Jesus. So quickly, let me just go over Luke chapter 9 and Luke 14 before we get into our main passage found in chapter 2 of the book of Acts. So let's begin with Luke 9. In the title, the heading says, The Cost of Following Jesus. Starting with verse 57, As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Luke 14, 25 to 35. The heading says, the cost of being a disciple. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. When he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000, 
If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Let's all read this next quote all together. Ready? One, two, three. Christianity on impulse is not the answer to discipleship. I'll say it again. Christianity on impulse is not the answer to discipleship. This is what we're going to do. We're going to save the main scripture for later in the point. But let me just go over one more scripture with you. Let's all turn to Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 to 22. The heading says, Jesus calls his first disciples. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, Preparing their nets, Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So we see two types of category situation here, found in Luke 9, 14, and Matthew 4. In one group, Luke 9 and Matthew 4, they're very eager to follow Jesus right away, immediately. They want to follow. But in Luke 9, they want to follow Jesus, but Jesus puts a question in their heart. He's asking them, do you truly understand what you're getting yourself into? It's good to be impulsive and to say yes right away. But on the other side, flip side of that coin we need to understand, like it says in Luke 14, we need to understand what we are getting ourselves into and what the situation is, what it means, what does it truly mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. On one hand, it says they immediately follow, they want to follow, like Matthew 4 and Luke 9, they want to follow. But on the other hand, Jesus says in Luke 14, that you need to ponder, you need to understand and know what it means to carry your cross, to carry the cross. If you don't, you cannot be my disciple. So which one is it? When you're presented with the gospel, should we be impulsive and be quick in answering and saying yes? Or should we go ahead, go away for a while, pray about it, then take time and understand that this is where God is leading me, that this is where Christ has called me to be. Just like the quote here, A.W. Tozer, he says, Christianity on impulse is not the answer to discipleship. So which one is it? Be impulsive, be quick, 
or be slow and take our time. Use the microwave or use the oven. Which one do we choose? Let's get on with our point number one. Point number one says this. Know what you are getting yourself into. Know what you're getting yourself into. Turn to our neighbor and say, triple C. Turn to the other side and say, triple chant. And turn to the other person and say, Henry Cejudo. No, I'm just kidding. It's like a, if you know MMA, then you know what I'm talking about. Triple C, all right? A, B, C. All C's. Let's start with our first letter. Letter A. Comprehend. B, count. C, choose. Triple C. You need to follow and you need to have an understanding of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You should count the cost. You need to understand what you're giving up. You need to understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. As Jesus says in Luke 14, you have to be willing to lose everything. Your father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even your own life. If you don't understand that, you cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. A.W. Tozer, he says it perfectly. He says, first, we must consider the person who becomes a disciple of Christ on impulse. This is likely to be the person who comes in on a wave of enthusiasm. I want to add the word emotions in there a notion of fantasy, of a glorified life. Maybe growing up when you were young, you saw a youth group pastor, and he lived this glamorous life. He received a lot of respect, and therefore you want to go to seminary, and you want to model that. But we need to understand that it doesn't come from a place of impulse, a wave of enthusiasm, of emotion, a notion of fantasy, of a glorified, quote-unquote, glorified life. And I am a little bit suspicious of anyone who is too easily converted. I have a feeling that if he or she can be easily converted to Christ, he or she may be easily slipped back the other way. I'll say it again. If he or she can be easily converted to Christ, he or she may be very easily slipped back the other way. I like the sinner who means business. Even though at first he or she may be standing up, looking you right in the eye and saying, I don't believe it, and I won't do it. The time will come when that person will think better of it. He or she will take time to cool off, will take time to listen to and meditate on the word, slowly but surely. He or she will determine that the way of Christ is the right way. When that person becomes a Christian, you have got somebody. So point number one. Know what you're getting yourself into. Triple C, comprehend, count, and choose. Point number two, it's a continuation of point number one. Let me just do one real quick. Know what you're getting yourself into. Point two, before you get yourself into it. Before. What do I mean by that? Before you commit letter A, B, C, D, and E. Letter A, pray. 
B, read. C, listen. D, declare. And E, follow. When I say declare, announce, and proclaim, A.W. Tozer continues, he says, actually, I go along with the man or woman who is thoughtful enough about this decision to say cheerfully, I want a day to think this over, or I want a week to read the Bible and to meditate on what this decision means. I mean, don't clown people by saying easy questions like, what do you want to eat? And you say, you know, let me think it over. Let me get back to you. Let me pray about it this week, and then let's decide where we're going to go eat next week. Not on those things, not on trivial matters, but I'm talking about the decision to follow Christ. Do not take it lightly. Understand what it means to take on responsibility in the priest. Understand what it means to be involved in food ministry. Understand what it means to be in charge of the events. Understand what it means when you commit in the mission team. Understand what it means to join the finance team. Understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Meditate on what that decision means. You got to keep it simple. Keep it simple. Speak to your heart and say, keep it simple. It's not complicated. It's very simple. This is probably one of the best advice that I can give you when you make a decision. Keep it simple. And I know I said to put much thought into your decision, but on the flip side of that, you need to keep it simple. The Bible is not very clear on one way. Yes, one way is Jesus Christ, but when I say one way, not clear on one way, I'm talking about how we need to decide in following Christ. Sometimes it is impulsive. On the flip side of that, we take our time understanding before we get ourselves into it. Letter A, pray. B, read. C, listen. D, declare. And E, follow. And when I say keep it simple, let your answer be a yes or a no. It has to be a yes or a no. One or the other. So what is your decision, child of God? What is your decision, godly man and woman of God? Is it a yes or is it a no? And I've said this many times in the past, the gospel will become one or the other for you. It becomes your greatest hope your greatest asset, or it becomes your greatest threat, threat to your future, threat to your current situation. If Christ is your greatest hope, may you simply and wisely make that decision and say to him today in your heart, say yes, yes, Lord. And in the process, we pray, we read, we listen, we declare, and we follow. How do we listen? We listen to God. How do we listen to God? Through his word, through godly people, godly leaders that God has placed into your life, godly friendships that God has placed into your life. We pray, we read, we listen, we declare, and we follow.
And lastly, I point number three, lifelong discipleship. Lifelong discipleship. One life, one chance, lifelong. Your whole life, from where you are now, on this very day, October 2nd of 2022, to the day you take your final breath on this earth. The end comes no matter what, and it will come. Is your life marked with the title of lifelong discipleship? Or is it a part-time discipleship? Or is it a fake disciple, a wannabe disciple, pretension, a person who pretends to be a disciple? Or are you a true lifelong disciple of Jesus Christ, lifelong discipleship? What does it mean to be a lifelong disciple? Do you fall under this category? Letter A, lifestyle. B, commitment. C, decision. D, practice. E, repetition. F, invitation to follow. G, every day. Take a moment to soak it in and understand each point. Quickly, repetition here means my New Testament Greek professor would teach the class this. He would say, in order for you to learn the language, or to learn anything, or to study anything, to become an expert in anything, he would say oftentimes the number of touches, the number of touches. He was a hockey instructor. His sons played high-level hockey. I believe originally he's from Canada, but he came to the U.S., and he would teach us the number of the touches that you would touch the puck with your hockey stick. The number of times you would put on your ice skates. The number of times you, your ice skates would touch the ice. The number of touches, repetition, every year, day in, day out, every month. Understanding what Advent means. Understanding what Lent means. Understanding what Christmas means. Understanding what Easter means. The repetition, every day, lifelong, every year, repeating, same thing, over and over and over and over and over again. Lifestyle, commitment, decision. Practice, repetition, invitation to follow every single day. And I want to close with our main passage here in Acts 2. Let's all turn there. If you have a Bible with you, you could turn there also. But it's also on the screen. Acts 2, it says, the people, the key word here is devoted. Devoted themselves to the Lord and to their local church, and they did it immediately, immediately devoted. Starting with verse 37, I'm going to read 10 verses to 47. Starting with 37, it says, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift 
of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Verse 42, can we all read together? 42, ready? One, two, three. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. That word devoted means immediately. What happened when they immediately devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching? Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Does it say some? It says all. All were together and had everything in common. Verse 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Amen and amen. When a church grows quickly, understand this quote. The less there is in the kettle, the quicker it begins to boil. But we need to understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We need to understand that sometimes when there is more and that's more substance in the pot, in the kettle, it does take longer, it does take time to boil. But you are in the right place, you're at the right stage of your life. But we need to understand that this is where God has called us to be. And we need to understand, and really we need to do it together. Because here, as you read in Acts 2, it doesn't say one individual. It doesn't say Peter and John, James, only the few. But it says in verse 37, when the people heard this, they were caught to the heart. And they asked the question right away, what shall we do? Peter makes it very clear, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. If you do that, you'll receive the gift. Gift of what? The Holy Spirit. Do you have the Holy Spirit in your life? The promise is for you and your choice, not just for you, but it's for the children for the next generation. Do you understand that this generation is dying spiritually? Do you understand that the churches are dying spiritually? Do you understand youth group is not what you went through, the youth group that you went through? Kids don't have youth group these days. They don't know what it means to have a retreat. They don't know what it means to go on a mission because their focus is the title, the job, the goal of this monetary world. We need to understand that the true promise The true gift is the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
And it is a promise not just for you, but for your children. Pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. It says in verse 40, those who accepted his message were baptized. And 3,000 were added to their number that day immediately. 42, they devoted immediately to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued. Every day they continued. Each day they continued to what? Meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together. Out of obligation, it says, with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. When was the last time we praised God sincerely? When was the last time we enjoyed doing what we're doing at church? If we do not enjoy what we're doing at church, that means there's a lack of Holy Spirit, true fellowship, true church in this generation. You may be sitting here today and this may just go past your head. No matter. God will be the judge of all that. But I pray right now before it's too late. Before it's too late. That we will wake up right now. And understand the season and the generation that we're living in. These are some of the quotes that I came with at the end of this message. It's on the screen. It says, charisma alone cannot and will not oppose you. Charm alone cannot and will not oppose you. Character alone cannot and will not oppose you. Trying to do the right thing is not going to oppose you because you don't go to heaven doing the right thing. You go to heaven because you are broken and you are a sinner, saved by one thing alone, and that's the blood, the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Only Christ alone can and will approach. And I'm not that old, experience-wise, oldest, and I realize that no matter what I choose, no matter what I do, only Christ alone can and will uphold me. And that has been the truth. And I pray that you would adopt this mindset, this teaching. I pray that you would choose Christ above all else. Others will hear this and will say, you know, Rev, you're being too extreme. Andrew, you're, you're, this is a little too extreme. Like, how can you say these kind of words? You know, you got to be very careful, especially in this generation. You got to use your words wisely. But I'd rather cut you with the truth than to baby you with words and see us going in the wrong direction. And I want to challenge you today 
listen to what Christ is saying. Only Christ alone can and will oppose you. Let's make this our worship and our prayer before the Lord. Though I cannot fully show. Though I cannot fully show. I show. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Charisma alone cannot one not uphold. Charm alone cannot and will not uphold. Character alone cannot and will not pull. Only Christ alone can and will uphold us, will uphold you. Pray all these things in your precious Son. Just cross and we pray. God's people pray. Amen. And amen.
Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, do not remember the sins of our youth and our rebellious ways, but according to your love, remember us. For you, Lord, alone are good. And now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, present you blameless, pure, and holy before his presence. May you know and encounter the unending love of the Father. May the Lord continue to pursue after you, guide you, and lead you forevermore. And as God's people, we pray. Amen and amen.